Hey everyone, welcome to this week's episode of Voices in Hyperspace. This week we're talking about Babylon 5, episode 10, Believers. I am Legendary Black Lion. I'm Nell Asylum. This is Sunday. And uh, just to kind of catch up folks who might not know what's going on, Nita is on a brief uh, hiatus. She is super busy on the days that we are recording. Um, we're happy for her because she is living her dream. <laughs> but hey. um, she will be returning once her schedule is uh, a little bit more open for us. And and I even had a discussion with her. I was I, I told her, hey, we need to figure out how to get people to pay us to, you know, travel, hang out, and I don't know, just just kind of hang out with them. So maybe, just maybe, if this thing catch on a little bit and we can get um, a decent following, maybe we can do some stuff that'll allow us to move around the country and talk with a bunch of nerds. Um, yeah. We have and panels at conventions. Panels at conventions. Maybe we can... Yo, okay. So the Sci-Fi Sisters, have you? Um, have any of you heard of them? Mm-mm. No. Oh, man. So... I'm plugging them on our episode because uh, they are dope. I got super excited because uh, they their TikTok followed me. Oh, <laughs> and um, and and yeah, it's, it's exciting for me because I'm like, yo, I listen to y'all's podcast, and they Sci-Fi Sisters are dope. They're like, um, how can I say this? They are mature nerds, um, mm-hmm. all kinds of degrees. They love. Star Trek and their podcast is all about Star Trek and they talk about Star Mm. Trek from a um, black feminist perspective. So they are definitely touching on a lot of similar topics that we are. Um, And they go on the, like the, uh, the Star Trek cruises Mm -hmm. and the, Mm. like that's, that's the nerd dream for me. We, we, uh, I'll talk to Sunday about like, we got to go one day. We got to do one of these uh, Star Trek cruises. Um, yeah, so maybe, I don't know, maybe in the future, if we can create enough buzz and, and, uh, a little gravity around this thing, maybe we can get like a, a, a Babylon five cruise. <laughs> oh Lord. I don't know if that'll be so much fun. I mean, we're all sci-fi. We're all sci-fi. So we could just join them. Oh, yeah, um, yeah, we, yeah, we can go. Yeah, we can show up on a, a Star Trek cruise with the with some Babylon Five uniforms and cosplay. <laughs> yeah, and promptly get kicked off. But <laughs> no, but mm-hmm. but no, but that's that's. Uh, I like that there are so many events going on in the world that are sci fi centered, um, and I think the popularity, like the reemergence of Star Trek uh, on uh, what is it Paramount. Paramount Plus. Yeah. And then sci-fi in the mainstream period. Um, there's so many shows and so many fandoms that are that are like really just kind of helping, you know, folks like us experience um, community, which is great. Of You know, of course, there are the toxic folks. We don't talk about them. They're not part of the community. <laughs> uh, but, yeah. you know, when, if we can share some some really cool sci-fi experiences, ideas, whatever. I think, I think this is great. Um, you know, we got so many more shows and, Oh, I wanted to also throw out there. We're far enough into our podcast. Now that we're going to start doing side missions. 
So okay. our listeners can look forward to some episodes that'll come up that may not necessarily be Babylon 5 centered. They might not be centered around a specific show at all. We're just going to have some fun talking about sci-fi, fantasy, being creators, being um, enthusiasts, and just how these uh, fantasy worlds will collide, how they affect us, and just, you know, all kinds of cool things. So, so yeah. So with all of that, we can actually get into this episode. Right, because this episode was dope. Yeah. <laughs> All right. The previous episode, just to kind of give us a little bit of background of what the discussions have been. The previous episode, we were talking about um it was Death Walker. And we we had a pretty good discussion about the way J. Michael Straczynski and the writers of the show approach religion and belief. And we I I believe I said like he doesn't give you uh, a solid answer. He kind of like, he kind of approaches it like, man, you know, maybe everything is true. But in, in this episode, he's not so um, light-handed. While J. Michael Straczynski is presenting religion in kind of a in a perspective of like diversity could be important, you know, as far as like sharing culture and all of that stuff. In this episode, he is going directly at the throat of religious fundamentalism, and it is brutal. And the way that I describe this episode is this is the hardest episode to watch. I remember it from when I was a kid, but I don't remember it exactly. And I think there was parts where I like left a room for it, especially since I was close to the child's age in the show. In the episode, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it wasn't as hard to watch it now. Later, I don't know. I was gonna say it was immediately triggering for me because of um, my distrust for the medical model. Um, even even from when I was a child, there are traumas that I have um, that go back from before I was born where I just do not trust. And this episode is just like, yeah, that part. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so let's, let's kind of like lay out the scenery. We are looking at uh, the beginning of the episode. I don't even know what the name of the aliens are. I'm sorry, y'all. They probably said it in the episode, but it was the least important thing to me. Um, but we have front and center, Dr. Franklin with his very concerned look in his face, right? He's a, uh, just just to kind of give you my assessment, he is chewing the walls off acting in this episode. Wow. <laughs> Not just the scenery. He is he he's got his he's got his uh he got his chompers around every single corner. Anyway, the child is suffering from a condition that is causing liquid like fluid to build up in his lungs. And essentially he's uh suffocating to death. There's a blockage that grew. Now, the parents are, whatever planet they're from, they have a very strict and fundamentalist uh, belief. They have a sacred book that they read from. They won't let the child uh, participate or enjoy any other type of media in the galaxy because it will corrupt him. Um, and whatever passage that father said that the kid should read sounded like really horrible, too. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. <laughs> Something about sacrifice, right? 
It's uh, a, it's so controlling to me. Yeah. <laughs> like it was a obey your parent, your your family, and um, it's, it's something about honoring your family no matter what. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, and uh, I get some at some other point in the, the episode they were talking about like they worship the sacred egg, and I'm like, mm, I don't know what that is. But um, oh, real quick disclaimer: we may be discussing people's religious. Uh, practices, denominations. This is not us being um, hateful towards anyone. We all have different experiences. And so if you find something that we say is objectionable, we're only talking from vague memory. Well, in some of our cases, but also as it relates to the episode, there are some images that just, that we just can't get around. So we would like to have the floor open for discussion if there's anything that you object to let's have a discussion about it we're not here to fight anyone we're not here to hate anyone we're not even here to um convince anyone we are just having a discussion um so here here are the, here are some of the here are the questions that are present in the episode there is there's basically you have the conflict between the doctors of babylon 5 Dr. Franklin and his assistant. I can't remember her name, and I'm sorry, y'all. Uh, did did y'all get her name? No, they said it like once. Oh <laughs> man, I hate that. I hate it so much. Uh, that used to be the notes that I take taking yeah. the people's names. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'll, uh, I'll I'll figure it out before this episode's over. Um, but she has a very straightforward materialist secularist view. She's like, you just gonna let your child die. And the parents are like, in their belief system, it's like, you can't cut. Julie Brown. Is that her name? I think so. Okay. Dr. Brown. Doc Brown. Great Scott. (laughs) Anyway. um, Anyway, so um, both Franklin and Dr. Brown, they have um, more materialist perspective of like, hey, this child is going to die if we don't operate. Um, You're just going to let your child die painfully. Which the meth like the death is going to be painful suffocation, right? It's like the worst thing I can one of the worst things that I can think of. Um, their in their belief, they cannot cut a person a hum- uh, they can't cut a person because they would be equal to food animals and they don't have a soul. We'll come back to that in a little bit, but it is is very strict. Um, they have a sacred text that they have to that they adhere to, and they have all of these. They have a covenant that they will not break. There's, you know, there's a lot of context that is uh, shared with us in what's happening with their religious beliefs and their objection to having their child operated on. Um, are there any other things that y'all noticed with this introduction? And that was it. Yeah, that's pretty clear. <laughs> okay, now. Of course, we like to look at how these things have parallels, IRL. So is there anything that popped in your mind when you heard about all these objections? Okay. I was thinking of the um, anti-vaxxers. Like, it has the same kind of flow and format that a lot of anti-vaxxers have. Um, Whatever religious beliefs that... 
um, God is going to take care of it um, or that there's something wrong with the procedure from their perspective, basically, um, that it will do harm and not help. And especially, uh, you haven't got to it yet, but he suggests um, oils and stones, which reminds me of the essential oils and crystals oh, yeah. uh, in real life. Yeah, that parallel for me. <laughs> okay, yeah. I was thinking about um, from the religion, who are they? The there's a couple oh, of my them. Goodness, they come and knock on your door. Jehovah's Witness. And Mormons. The Jehovah Witness. There we go. Jehovah Witness. Oh. They won't like accept surgeries that require blood transfusions yeah. and stuff like that. Yes. Oh. And um and hey, I'm open to being corrected for this, but I think what they cite is an Old Testament uh passage that says don't uh mingle the blood or don't Basically, they see blood transfusions as ingesting blood, and so mm-hmm. they object to it. Um, but Jehovah's Witnesses are not alone. There are also uh, several fundamentalist um, religions that refuse um, among um, vaccines and blood transfusions. They also refuse like medical treatment at all. Um, anything that includes like medicine or pills or injections. They're like, don't do that. There, there have been stories of children who have suffered through like um, measles and other, you know, strep and other types of infections that could have been easily treated, but the, the parents would uh, object to it because due to their beliefs, medicine is evil or the doctor is evil or some something in that something in that um realm and it's it's strictly like a religious objection it's not like oh we've studied the science of it and we don't think this will work it's like no it's evil and we're just going to let our child fight it and in in some cases the children don't make it because you know if they've never encountered Things that could help, um, you know, help boost their immune system or anything like that. They don't, they don't make it. That those are extreme cases. I'm not saying that this is something that happens like in every case. It's just you know, I've, I've read stories, and um, yeah. So what what are you all? Is is that is that all kind of ringing a bell to y'all? Yeah, yeah. It's um, what initially. It frustrates me about the episode because you've got the two doctors arguing over whether, because the female doctor, and I think Julie Brown might be the real actress's name and not what her name was on the show. So I apologize, you guys. I was trying. Um, But she is wanting to be very forward with the parents and just let them know, like, what you guys is doing is going to kill your kid. And the uh, male doctor is attempting to, like, give hope in an attempt to manipulate the parents into thinking that, like, they're going to see the light and come around to his, you know, higher belief system. Um, I think that he believes that, um, like, his intellect is superior over their religious beliefs. Yeah. What did they learn? 
in the time span that they have for their child to die. Yeah. You know what? So the doctor's name, she's Dr. Maya Hernandez. So okay. we were way off, but we we got it fixed, y'all. <laughs> so um, along with what Sunday just said, so they're wrestling with these belief systems. There's also like they come in contact with the belief systems of the doctors. And in fact, Maya even uh, calls Dr. Franklin and I was like, hey, your God is is, is science. You think that you're just the best, right? You think you're absolutely right. And even even uh, later in episode, Dr. Franklin says, yes, I believe in saving lives. Um, and he does this even after he tries to appeal to the parents and quote unquote, be respectful for their beliefs. He, he chastises Maya for immediately questioning and ridiculing their beliefs. But mm-hmm. even though he, even though he's not doing it out in front, he's still doing it. Yeah. Right. So you want to call us, you know, racist names behind closed doors and that makes it okay. Right. Because you're still dealing with opposing belief systems. Yeah. It's extremely problematic. Um, and for you not to be direct and upfront, um, that, you know, coddle people and make believe when it's a matter of life and death, like when you're trying to be the medical professional, don't manipulate people, you know, tell them the truth, the whole truth and let them make their own informed and educated decision. And in the event that they don't choose what you deem is best, you have to respect that because it's their bodies. It's their child, not yours. And I, that's where this episode goes into the medical overreach because they want to sidebar and discuss what's best, you know, without the perspectives of the parents. And they try to go through the courts or the um, the hierarchical system of like the military, yeah, whatever we're calling that, in order to get their way um, instead of respecting the rights and beliefs of the species that they're dealing with but there is something really interesting that does happen and uh we'll come back i want to i wanted to take a step back and talk about like the way that religious fundamentalism is is displayed in this episode so we immediately have the father have this very toxic response to his son is sick and he, but he doesn't want to show weakness by showing concern for his own son. Like, yeah. that's wild, right? Um, they value their religious texts and principles over the life of their child. Um, and one of my notes I wrote down: child child abuse through violence or withholding vital treatment. And this is this is what I mean by that. They don't say it outright, and they probably didn't even mean to allude to this. But when they said what could have caused the the uh, what could have caused the development of the blockage in his lungs? They said it could have come through trauma or infection. And in my mind, I immediately was thinking about um, I was I was recently listening to an episode of Beyond the Bastards, and they were talking about oh I can't remember the name of the cult, but basically the cult was like beachy kids, right? That was their their whole thing. It's like if your kids don't have bruises on them, you don't love them. 
you you know what I mean? It was a very uh, fundamentalist, very um, what did they call it? Corporal punishment type thing, right? And, and they beat the kids over everything from like children who were resisting diaper changes to uh-huh. ch- children who wanted to hold hands, right? It was it was they, yeah, it was it was rough. Like it was very bad. Being children. Yeah, yeah, they yeah. And so and so it made me think like what, you know, I'm I'm putting a little headcanon in here, but it's like would these parents be uh above like punishing their children, beating children and you know, while it's not explicitly in the episode, it kind of like alludes to like maybe they beat them, you know. Especially um, when it's common. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It Physical violence will often present itself in fundamentalist beliefs, not just religion, but just like fundamentalism is authoritarian and hierarchical, and they often resort to violence to maintain power structures. Um, I also wrote down refusing enrichment and diversity for the sake of protection. That's where they refuse to let the kid watch, you know, media from the rest of the galaxy. And I think Franklin was telling him, like, hey, you know, the kids like to watch this show. Maybe you'll enjoy it. You know, something to keep him occupied while he's, like, suffocating to death. Right? Um, <laughs> growing up, we were, always, we were like, you can't watch this show because it's bad. You can't watch that show because the devil will get you. You can't, do, you can't mm-hmm. go to these movies because it gets into your mind. It made me think of the episode on the Orville where they had that... Um, like the one that was going to be sacrificed for the collective. You remember that? Was that the Orville or was that Strange New Worlds? That was no. I think that was the Orville. They probably did it on both. Because okay. I know Strange <laughs> New Worlds had the little right child that they put in the machine. Yeah. <laughs> yep. That I haven't seen Orville in a while. Wasn't. You guys are right. It was Strange New Worlds because whatever that captain's name was was involved with that lady. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. But that's a yeah. trope that keeps happening all the time. Sacrifice the, the children one. to uphold your whole society. And if you don't, then everything's just going to crash and burn. <laughs> it does sound very, um, it sounds very apocalyptic, very mm-hmm. religious, right? Oh, the one more thing, and I want to touch on this with you also, uh, Sunday, where they said you cannot cut into the boy. Um, Doctors, veterinarians on our planet do this to food animals that are ailing, but it's okay because they don't have souls. I have a couple questions. When they do this procedure on these food animals, are they saving the lives of these food animals? No, because they're food. <laughs> no, but they I'm maybe if they can do well, the, I, if they have people yeah. who are skilled who can do the exact same surgery, um, and they're saving, they're keeping animals alive to do it. Of course, they're keeping the animals alive so they can eat them later. But right. they reckon like, do you see? Do you see the divide that I'm pointing out? It's like yes, they can they save life if they want to. They choose not to, yeah. Yeah. And also, I say like in the case of like a cow, if you were getting milk from that cow and not eating it, you would want to keep it alive. So it's still a food animal. Yes. Yeah. So, and 
Like if it's sick, then just eat it. <laughs> right. And it's like for the profit, whether they are saving it or not. And for the the animals with souls, like do they consider themselves animals on that planet? I don't know. But for themselves with souls, there's no monetary gain to keeping one of them around. Um, but I was thinking, like, I don't know where y'all come from, but Jack and Saru, they got a soul around here, okay? So That's what I was going to say. Like, am, they, they're, they're like, animals don't have souls, but we do. But if you get cut like an animal, you don't have a soul. So they, they've they created a, a species hierarchy. Yeah. And yes. usually those are created to justify the killing of creatures, mm-hmm. you know, for food, yes. for sacrifice or anything like that. And it's to, it's to create a division. So killing and murder are okay. Right. To justify the end goal that you are about to put this dead corpse on your table and eat it. Sorry, you know, for y'all out there still eating meat, but <laughs> I just came back from a weekend vacation with my family and it was rough like I'm six years into this plant-based eating and I thought I was cool but when I got doused with like barbecue water (laughs) out of a cooler and I had to ride six hours smelling like death it was awful (laughs) yes (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it was quite difficult so this episode also that came up when I was listening to how they were talking about the animals but I am um, hesitant to accept even medical um, assistance for my pets I take extreme measures to like brush and scale their teeth myself so that they don't have to be put under anesthesia because everybody like even the veterinary professionals know that put in dogs under anesthesia, like even people. If you've Putting ever people to under anesthesia to is is a bad idea. <laughs> is is very dangerous. Um, yeah, you don't always come back from it. And no, you so, don't. Like yeah, one thing. Like whenever um, there have been several celebrities who've gone to get like plastic surgery or even you know um, important surgeries that they've needed. And whenever they talk about like, oh, they've died to metal, they died due to medical complications. Um, that medical complication is usually something that has to do with the anesthesia. Yeah, mm-hmm. my brother's best friend lost mm-hmm. his father to a, a dental visit. Mm-hmm. Like, can you imagine your partner just like, all right, I'm going to the dentist, see you later? Not. Mm-hmm. And they never freaking come back. And, it's, and that's uh, why it's so difficult for me. I'm sorry, love, but it's no, difficult okay. for me to listen to the two doctors argue back and forth like they are these supreme beings that just know that what they're doing is better. You don't know. You out here practicing medicine, okay? I'm going to get off my soapbox now. Yeah. You got yeah. it. No, but that's <laughs> that's one of the points that is made in the episode because Dr. Franklin even says, like, they ask us to play God. Like Uh that's the job and, and just to kind of like, just to kind of summarize this part of the discussion or this part of the argument, um, they have made up their minds that the parents don't know what's good for themselves. Uh Um, and, and we, and, and okay, when you are coming from a Western perspective, 
Western secular perspective is like, yeah, of course the parents are wrong. But let's look at the rest of the discussion that's being had in this episode, right? Um, oh, let's take a quick segue because there's a whole other story going on in this episode. <laughs> yeah. It made no sense no. to me. I love this episode so much. I was so confused by this other part. Like, what? So pretty much at the beginning, along with them finding, you know, with uh, Dr. Franklin and Maya trying to treat the boy. Um, Ivanova is basically reading Captain Sinclair, the riot act, because she got a distress signal from a ship called the Asimov. I love it when sci-fi shows like Star Trek and Babylon 5 reference Isaac Asimov. um, Because (laughs) one, it's just like, hey, his stories were awesome. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and he came up with some really cool ideas. Like, yeah, like, um, yeah. So, veteran nerds, y'all know who Isaac Asimov is. I actually read a lot of his books when I was a kid before I understood how, like, important his work was. All I knew was, like, Isaac Asimov. And I read, like, these uh, short stories that were really cool. Like, mm-hmm. anyway, but um, I like it when they reference Asimov, especially if they're going to be talking about the three laws or ethics and stuff like that. It's um, it, it gets my nerve. It, it touch. It makes me get the warm fuzzies. You know what I'm saying? Um, so the Asimov had a fire in their communications center and lost their ability to navigate. And basically, uh, Ivanova's like, "Hey, we need to dispatch a, a fighter wing." to help navigate them back to Babylon 5. Otherwise, they'll just be, um, you know, flying in the dark. Sinclair is just like, he he's not getting the hint, and he's like, yeah, we need to send some other people. Uh, who do, Who's available? I bet Garibaldi's available. <laughs> and Ivanova <laughs> is like stomping mad, and she's like, you know, she's giving him the business about it until finally he goes, ah, I get it. I'll send you. And basically what it is, and I get it, Ivanova has been stuck on that command center the entire series. For 10 episodes straight, she's been in that one room. <laughs> and uh, and usually a Sinclair going out on a dangerous mission. Um, spoiler alert, we know the mission is not dangerous because Ivanova's going. If, if it was like a life and death situation, Sinclair would have definitely gone. Yeah. <laughs> he would have he went without oxygen and all that kind of stuff. Uh <laughs> But yeah, so that's what's going on. And then like, it's that whole second story is real simple. They find the Asimov. They're in raider territory, so they're getting raided. She gets a she gets a, a cool um, aerial uh, space battle, and then they make it back. The end. But there was a part of that where like it was someone said it's not a part of our orders to attack the raiders, and she's like, well, they're not going to make it back, so I guess I'm going to have to defy the orders. Which yes. I got paralleled with the other part of the story. Yes. Where she she and she basically took other people's lives and defied orders in order to save a life. And in that case, they were grateful. In the other case. <laughs> yeah. We'll get to that. <laughs> yeah. But that's a good point because um so you have this whole episode is about knowing when to do the right thing. And when there's the right thing, the thing you were told not to do. You know what I mean? <laughs> defying orders going against people's wishes um did you did you achieve the objective was the goal met right um 
Attacking the Raiders is not part of our not part of our mission, is not part of our orders. Ivanova clearly defied orders. She protected Asimov. But you know, she didn't receive any consequences for that. It's kind of I appreciate well you guys making that parallel because I see that now, but it's really different. Like the orders that were well, we never got to the fact that orders were defied yet, but the choice that she was choosing to make, the people asked for help and the help that she offered was never refused. The family asked for the doctor's help and then the help that he offered was refused, but then he didn't stand down. Instead, mm-hmm. he argued with his colleague about how to you know, convince them when they stood their ground. He then goes to Sinclair and it's like, hey, man, you got my back. You human, too. Right. So I know you're going to agree with me. And Sinclair was like, I can't agree with you. He was like, what? You know, do you do you think I'm just going to agree with you because we believe the same thing? And he he goes on to say, like, the the purpose of Babylon five is, uh, you know, for diplomacy, you know, to re- prevent a war. Because if I overstep my boundaries here then that will set a precedent and nobody will trust me anymore. Oh. And, and that was after, or like kind of, it was after, but along where the family went to all of the ambassadors and asked for help. And I thought it was very interesting, all of the different no's that they got. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> no, because you don't have anything to give to us. No, because you can't afford it. But I like the Membari note. It was like, what are you serious you right and the doctor wrong what the Mimbari right. no was the worst no <laughs> I was, I was wrong. <laughs> <laughs> to me all right hold on, hold on hold on because all right all right you're right that uh okay so with um the centauri they were like well you can't afford it also it'll take a long time because of bureaucracy because you know the centauri right. republic is is a it's an imperialistic and power hungry and it's like everyone is gonna you know a lot of stuff a lot of money and stuff is gonna change hands and it's like it takes time for the narn they were like what do we get out of it right like, you if, we, if we help me? you like <laughs> it, it was it was basically we could help you but we're not altruistic so you gotta you gotta you gotta show that you're valuable to help Mm-hmm. The Mimbari, so I got it right. The Mimbari was like the Mimbari, what makes you right in the Doctor wrong. Right, the Mimbari <laughs> no was like it. It was it was a not only no, but um, we're gonna question your very existence. <laughs> I was with the Mimbari, whatever. <laughs> no, I mean, I, 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 go ahead, go ahead, Mel. Um, I also kind of between that and the parallel again with uh, Ivanova going out and killing raiders like that. It, it was um, that's political, too, because raiders can mess with people's economy by stealing. So who cares if you get rid of some raiders? Yep. Right. And who but knows with if the, the raiders are really the rebellion? Right. But with the belief system of a people, if, if one kid dies, that's not looking at the whole of what they represent so it doesn't affect them until it affects just like um we saw with uh um what's his name londo 
Lando and the kid oh uh, not wanting to get married, like just go oh, home. Yeah. Like go get married. <laughs> like like that doesn't yeah, affect yeah. me. That doesn't affect my power. I don't care what happens to your life. Um he, he doesn't really need to care about anybody else's life. Yeah. He don't even care about his own really kind of <laughs> if he yeah. was truthful with himself. Oh uh, <laughs> Did you guys look at like how have we got to the part where we you know that the doctor was told no yeah, not okay. yet. So, uh, go ahead, go ahead. Then I'll hold. I can hold on because that's where I was about to go next. Well, here, the here's the thing. The doctor was told no in the first scene, um, but he asked for advice from Sinclair, and Sinclair was like, "Well, he didn't even ask advice. He was asking Sinclair to like basically order him to do to uh, to do this the surgery." Like the medical the, overreach. Correct. No, but hold on, hold on. It's, it's not only is it medical overreach, but it's also an appeal to uh, to uh, authority, right? Because mm-hmm. Sinclair, being the commander of the station, can relinquish the the parental oversight, the rights of the parents, right? Mm-hmm. The rights of the parents. And he said, "You did it before when you ordered uh, the other doctor, Doctor Richards." Um. He said, when you order Dr. Richards to save Ambassador Kosh uh, by any means necessary, uh, you use the exact same power. And that's true. And I, I, one, I like the fact that they went back and referenced the pilot episode because stuff happened, right? And mm-hmm. you have to remember, like, Richards is in there and Franklin is, and there's a reason. And, yes, Sinclair made a uh, – he, he gave an order. So he used his power to help Ambassador Kosh. Now, but you have to also think about it like this. Sinclair's whole, his mission and his whole purpose is to prevent um, another war. And what he's trying to do is build these alliances. He's trying to build this coalition of these different species. So humans can have like some some friends in, in the galaxy. So w- when stuff goes down... It's not going to be so bad. If a Vorline died on that station, the Vorlines would have came and destroyed the station. That's that's <laughs> that's what would happen, right? Um, with this situation, yes, he could use the same power, but the outcome would be very different. It wouldn't be the destruction of the station. It would be the destruction of humans' ability to build trust and alliances and then the alliance like the whole purpose for the station would be destroyed so similar did outcomes I, right did i properly interpret when the parents asked the vorline for help that he was like yeah they already helped me <laughs> and, um, <laughs> oh man when the mountain is about to when the mountain falls it doesn't ask a vote from the pe- pebbles something around that Basically, you shit out of luck. <laughs> yeah, you just—he basically called them pebbles. Like you have no say in this. Whoa. Like why are you coming to me? And the I like more lines. The, well, as um, how can I say this without offering a big spoiler for the whole series? Let's just look at it like this: the Vorlines are the as as much as they're going to be highlighted as some of the good guys. They are the assholes of the galaxy. Why was I well, just like your the mind? 
Well, just like the Limbari, like they act so virtuous and and look so virtuous, but basically they don't care about anybody but themselves. And like you could kind of see that from the fact that we just got out of a huge war where they almost wiped us out. But but at the same time, it's like they can stand there and look so cute and prestige. Um, (laughs) And also the thing with the Vorlon, kind of that foreshadowing, Mm -hmm. um, of um, them having to go against his uh, their orders in order to um, proceed because he's already been messing with the um, psychic. Yeah. Was he messing with her then? Like, that's my question. Did he come in and, and, and had something happen to him on purpose? Like he's the mm-hmm. culprit to himself to well, get her to, to violate him. It would whoa, 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 whoa. Wow. <laughs> mentally, <laughs> whoa, whoa, mentally. <laughs> do we do we need to um do we do we need to do an investigation into Ambassador Kosh? <laughs> to tell the truth, yes, we do. But remember, um, it was a different telepath. Um, oh. it was it was Lita Alexander, and she was shipped off of that. Like we don't even know what happened to her. She was just gone. Maybe right? that's why she left. He was he there to, he was, he knew, telepath. he probably, yeah, he's what he needs to be in on the telepath that was there. So, like, be, maybe because they changed the telepath, he had to do the, the other thing with the, the hat dude. Mm. I feel so that was like another way of, of getting that information. He had to find another way of doing it because they moved to the other one. I think with all of these uh, implications, we may need to keep Ambassador Kosh from all the telepaths. I think there's some things that are happening that are not great um, yes. until we can investigate this further. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, uh, while we <laughs> table the investigation of Kosh, the, um, the doctor being refused the order made me, well, bef- the request, I should say, before he got refused, the request to take over the parental rights of the child um, made me think about our own medical model. Um, are you guys aware that that like happens in real life where if parents refuse things like cancer treatment that the hospitals will go to the courts and take the rights of the parents away and then put the children through the medical procedures against the family's will? I know yeah. that has happened and there's a reason why it happens. Do you uh, think it parallels with this episode? Yeah. Yes, it does. No, uh, part of it is um, there are like along with like the larger recognized denominations, there are a lot of cults, uh, religious cults that refuse any any outside people to have access to the children, and the children are starving, they're diseased, uh, they're being abused, and the courts are like, we need to save the children and um, I feel that um, but there are also cases where the people believe in the medical model to be the doctors first and then as they're going through the protocol change their minds and it's like "Mm, now that we have more information we've decided that we don't want to continue to do this but the doctors and their infinite wisdom you know, will pursue forward and not respect the decisions of the parents. 
you know, who are taking alternative methods that the medical doctors just don't believe in and then use like maybe the examples that you are bringing up in order to get their way so that they can continue to, you know, milk insurance companies and provide treatments to children that they know in the end of the day may even end up killing the kid anyway. Like the kid may not even survive unlike on Babylon where he was pretty sure that the kid was going to live, but you don't really know. Like it's not a guarantee whenever you go into surgery that you're going to have a positive outcome. That's true. There's also um, a lot of, a lot of the other problems with the medical system. We talk about medical, we could talk about, uh, Medical apartheid, as far as um, mainly what happens to um, women of color when seeking, just even seeking the diagnosis, um, not yeah. being believed, not believe, not being believed that they are experiencing pain, or that they need um, <clears throat> that they need um, medicine to help ma- manage their pain or treatment or anything like that. I have a mutual who is dealing with that very issue right now. Um, She had an injury a few years ago that um, triggered and revealed that she has a genetic defect that causes her chronic pain. And because she, quote-unquote, looks healthy, or she's a woman, so she's faking it, Uh, she's a black woman, so it's probably not that big of a deal. She's, She's basically suffering through... Uh, being refused treatment because of that, and uh, if we if we if you dig into the history of the medical industry and just how medicine was developed in this country, it was all um, done pretty. Uh, it's pretty sick. Yeah, and um, yeah, for sure. And and so, if you don't trust the medical industry, the medical model. Yeah, you have more than enough reasons to to not trust them because we have you know more than a hundred years of like horrible uh, history on how this stuff was developed, and it's still a lot of a lot of that stuff is still carried on today because there are uh, very racist um, belief systems that are interwoven into it. As much as people are like, "Oh no, it's about science," it's like. Mm, your science says that black people have thicker skin somehow. Mm-hmm. How is that like how how do you quantify that? <laughs> or that black people have a higher tolerance or ooh I like I I love slash hate this one. That black people are more prone to uh addiction. Mm-hmm. You know. And and there there's nothing that substantiates that other than bias. It's only bias. Right. You know? And I just had a discussion with a nurse um, about these panic attacks that I used to have for decades. And um, when I found out that I was autistic and found out that that was common, um, one, females don't get diagnosed with autism. Black people don't often get diagnosed with autism. Yep. I was told for years that I had low blood sugar, but anytime I was ever tested my blood sugar has always been fine and it's always been right after I've eaten. But because I'm black female, oh, your blood sugar is low. low. Like, right. There, you like, can't be no actual. I've literally gone to the hospital after a panic attack and the doctor's like, then, like, 
a dozen tests and they're like, you're tired. Go take a rest. I'll give you a few days off. <laughs> right. Wow. But people don't believe that like you could be that it could be anything else because it's common for black women to have this. So that must be what you have. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like they're not actually doing a test. They're just saying like, we've seen this. We think it's this because this is what we always think it is. So we're not going to test you. Well, ironically, the, the doctors did test me and the paramedics and the, the, the thing that test me. Um, it was my coworkers that, that saw them, that, that were there for it giving me cookies and orange juice because they just assume my blood oh, sugar is low. Oh, okay, I get, it. I get what you're saying. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. That's and even wild. when I tell them what the doctor says, they're still like, well, you need to check your blood sugar. You need to get on blood sugar medication because you must have the sugar. Oh, <laughs> that is wild. And I clearly <laughs> have all the other symptoms of autism. They're like... <laughs> right, right, right. That makes sense. No, I understand. I understand. So your peers, people around you were like, oh, well, this Mm -hmm. and the thing is, too, they probably are recognizing those symptoms and they're probably present in other people. But they are always saying they don't they don't uh, connect it to autism or any type of neurological condition. Right. Yeah. Because especially when I know for sure they were trained for it because I was in the same training. Ooh. Oh. <laughs> oh, man. So, yeah. <laughs> that, oh, that makes it really hard. It's like, it, and that goes with the belief system. Like, they believe so strongly that that is the issue, that there can't be anything else. We can't do anything else about it. They, even when they're presented with the, the facts and the information, they still go back to what they they believe, what their culture says. Now, but, that's what's happening with the parents in this episode. They're showing them the monitor on the screen. Here's this blockage, and they just are refusing um, the facts. Um, excuse my it's, it's not even a matter. It's not a matter of the parents refusing the facts. They they they're like, okay, we know, we've seen this, we understand this. You ain't cutting our baby. <laughs> and then what Franklin does, he basically steals the child, does the surgery anyway, saves the boy's life. The parents are like. Hold on, hold on, hold on, babe. Before you say what the parents do, um, I forgot to mention, um, what was it? There was a verbal threat by the father. Oh, yeah. was witnessed in front of... Oh, yes, that's right. The ...captain. And nobody was just... I, I, so you can just threaten people's lives on this ship and nobody talk to you. You don't get no slap on the wrist, no nothing. And then the doctor, in turn, is now disobeying orders. Ivanova disobeying orders. Is anybody being... It's a ship full of disobedient, ungrateful (laughs) jerks. Ain't nobody following no rules, nothing. Anarchy at its finest. (laughs) Man. But, um, okay, so, because we're we're almost out of time here, but we'll we'll get through this. Um, So, Franklin basically... He does the surgery. He it, basically he does it as an emergency surgery because they're watching the boy and and the child actor whoever it is is doing a pretty decent job. He's like yeah, he did. over the time he's like losing energy. He's not not breathing well or whatever. Franklin steals him, does the surgery, brings the parents in like oh it's a miracle, and then the father's like immediately like you did the surgery, <laughs> and the boy is like but it's me, and they they curse their child. 
these they pulled a knife on that they boy. A knife on him. <laughs> and they're quoting scripture. They call him. I, I don't know what the name, what they called him. They started speaking in tongues, calling him something. And they were like, you're, you're a demon spawn because mm-hmm. you were cut open. And then they retreat. Mm-hmm. And Franklin is like, you know what, though? At least I saved the kid's life. He's on like, I'm, you know, but what I'm the man. Did you do? Did you see how that boy crumbled to the floor? And this was one of the things that I wanted to mention is that when I was trying to decide with all of my medical bias, whether the doctor was right or the parents were right, it's like, how about the person who's actually sick? We give them the opportunity to make the choice. And that's what made me think of the Strange New Worlds episode mm-hmm. was when the doctor did talk to the boy and the boy was like, I do want to live, but I don't want to lose my soul. Mm-hmm. So yeah, he believes what his parents believe. So you got to roll with that and like let them take on the consequences of their choices and not override it. Because when he did, and that boy crumpled to the floor. Are yep. you about to like take up this foster child and work him to the <laughs> shadow work to recover him from the trauma of losing his parents over this decision from taking his soul? How are you going to repair that scar? How are you going to repair those traumas? Also, and that's that's a really good point. Um, as a bit of a teaser, this is kind of another mark on the uh, Dr. Franklin story arc for the series um yeah and that's all i'm gonna say about that uh right now his whole personality is i'm a doctor (laughs) yeah i'm a doctor damn it i'm gonna do whatever i want um he's not like mccoy mccoy is like i'm a doctor not this franklin's like i'm a doctor mother (laughs) i'm a doctor bitch i get to do what i want um what, what what was i gonna say he um the the kid does demonstrate that he can do some rational thinking and he can see through some issues of belief. But you have to understand, like his entire life, he was raised with the belief of his parents, right? And he's mm-hmm. conflicted because he believes, as you said. And, you know, remember when the kid was explaining to Sinclair, like, I know that this is industrial pace, but Dr. Franklin believes that it's <laughs> right. You know, I was and, so cute. Yeah. And it, it made that part hurt me the most because I was like, yeah, kids given the opportunity know better. Stupid. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. And to your point, Sunday, I think what could have been a very central theme to this, and you know, I'm okay for um being wrong and misinterpreting this, but consent. Consent mm. is central and supreme to any being's autonomy. And when you remove consent, you remove their personhood. Um, the parents did not give consent for their child to receive the surgery, but mm-hmm. the child was not even given the opportunity to offer consent. Facts. And do children, um, what is the age of consent for medical procedures? Too? Ooh, be careful on that one. You don't want to end up on one of these real like. Because I'm sure for any of those things, you have to sign for it. Yeah. Oh, uh, and a, a parent or guardian has to sign for it. So that would that would have to, if the child did, if they did want to go by the, who knows what it is in 200 years. But if, um, because of uh, 
the reasoning part of the brain not developing by like a certain age. For the U.S., it's 18, even though that's not technically when the brain finishes developing. Right. Um, yeah. So that type of reasoning you wouldn't give to a child under 12, at least, or um, realistically would be like 25, but 18 for the U.S., maybe 16 for maybe for the U.K., um, yeah, kids like, can't have a choice. Weirdly <laughs> younger now with the um, the gender affirming stuff. So they have kids being able to consent to stuff without their parents. Sorry, I didn't mean to yeah. open up a hole. No, yeah, no, 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 no. But you're <laughs> you're you're talking about some real life stuff, and yeah, and and that's why I was like. When you said, what's the age of consent for medical procedures? I was like, I really don't know. Um, I looked and, it and up I, in most places, 18. Yeah. Any minor 16 years <clears throat> or older where no parent or guardian is immediately available may give consent to hospitals. But also, like, um, like gender affirming care is different. Because um, I know, like, there is surgery, but then there's also, like, uh, puberty blockers. And stuff like that. So you can delay the onset of uh, puberty. So then later you can consent to surgery. Um, That's all stuff that I don't know a whole bunch about. So I'm not going to talk too much about it. But I do know that it's different. But um, when it comes to life-saving surgery, like emergency surgery, stuff like that, I don't think there is an age of consent. There's, um, what did it call? power of attorney like mm-hmm. who is the person that is able to make the decisions um mm-hmm. i think it does it re- it lies on the parents if the child can't make the decision and stuff like that um i'm pretty sure when we do get enough people to listen to this podcast that someone is going to correct us in the comments and yeah, i am open to that like white on rice no nah, hey right. look no 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 i am open <laughs> to being corrected on this stuff because like we've like we we will encounter these issues in real life and we want to be able to yeah. be prepared yeah. and also like you know we're 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 people who believe in the respect like, of consent for re- show yes respect of consent in all things and so if you if if you're expecting like well, not if expecting but if you are prepared for hey i may be incapacitated and uh, paramedics or doctors, they they are under oath to do a thing unless you object. I need someone to advocate for my autonomy. I need right. them to object for me. You know what I mean? Um, and well, that's very important. Oh, go ahead. You go ahead. Um, in some cases, uh, as far as like in the school system, um, if there are certain emergencies, we have to get parents' permission but under some like really bad emergencies, we can call the ambulance without anybody's permission. Like we have to just call. Yeah. And that might be because we are um, um, in the position that we're in to, to be caregivers for the children. But um, yeah, there are some things that we have to get permission for, but some things we don't. Yeah. And uh, all of that is some interesting things to navigate 
Um, I know we're already going along in this, but I wanted to share this. Um, it'll probably come up again. <laughs> yeah, it'll. It, yeah, it probably will. I wanted. I wanted to share this because I think it is relevant to the to the conversation. So, um, you know, uh, Sunday knows this. So my mom passed away in May, mm-hmm. and when the family came together, we were having a lot of different discussions um, about what to do, what type of preparations, and there was a, a moment of. Um, apprehension and not conflict but just a little friction and um once we figured out that stuff uh, my sister was like hey you know it would be very important if we all made sure that we had our last wishes recorded so we don't have any issues either right mm-hmm. and um it was something like you have you have to understand grieving your parent that you love very much is a very challenging time to be thinking like okay so when i die i need these same people in this room to do these (laughs) to do these Mm. this set of things right Mm -hmm. um but with a clear mind you have to think like you know what i don't want abc to happen but i want uh def to happen you know what i mean um and it is it is something that we don't think about because we don't want to think about ourselves uh, being in distress. We don't want to think of ourselves dying. None of that stuff. But it's like the wishes of the individual are important. It's something that we can, we should consider. And uh, depending on like your family and your family's beliefs, it's something that you would hope that people would honor, right? And mm-hmm. it's um it's a thing that we should definitely be prepared for. Uh, anyway, nice little side. Because this boy's parents was prepared. They was oh, like, All shoot. Right, hold, on. <laughs> hold on, hold yeah. on. We already <laughs> had the robe with them. Like, yeah. Like, so, so yeah. Tripping. So that's what that's what it was. Basically, the parents was like, they came back with some very serious looks on their faces. They were like, we got this robe. I forgot what it was called. Like, we got the robe with us. Oh, you the robe is like yes, it's for um. <clears throat> The traveling, traveling. The transition, right? The yeah. transition, yeah. What are you transitioning to? Yeah. <laughs> and so when Frank Franklin is over there high fiving himself, about to have a drink, he's like, "Wait a minute, they had the what with them?" And he's running, goes to the room to the quarters. There's the boy in the bed, dead. The the, the room is decorated with uh, candles and stuff. The parents are all looking serious and whatnot, and I'm just like. Dang, they really went and killed that boy. Um, and they still didn't do anything about them killing the child. They, they didn't not. do anything about him threatening the up, doctor. No. Or, okay, like, I didn't want to bring that up. Say that again. <laughs> they didn't get disciplined. There was no corrective like, action for the death of that boy. Shouldn't there be like a, a rule against murdering people on the station? Like y'all couldn't take him somewhere else to do that? Now, like your planet. Here's the thing, because it was a religious practice, it, wow. it was it was it was an honor killing, which wow we we looked down on. <laughs> right. But yeah, but wow. you gotta because Sinclair is all about other- Sinclair is all about like we need to respect these people because in the future we might need to have alliances, yada 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 war. Uh, what are you gonna mm-hmm. say, Mel? Um, in uh the previous episode where they introduced the different uh, religions. Uh, Gary Boldy went let one dude bring a knife onto the station. Exactly. 
So the, that's our continuity. And he even he even pulled out a knife earlier, and then nobody did nothing. Like, <laughs> in fact, was Garibaldi um, in the same room with them ever in this episode? I don't no. think so. Man, I bet if but Garibaldi he, was around, they would have never been around that kid the entire. Episode. And that's see, and that was another um, inconsistency because <laughs> if they would have stuck to Garibaldi going out to the Raiders, that would have actually you know made sense for him to not be there. But no one thought to have Garibaldi around after this dude threatened the doctor's life. There is yeah. a detail that kind of supports your your view, Garibaldi for whatever reason, knew all about the situation with the kid, too. He he directly asked Franklin, like, so what's the deal with the kid? Like, with the mm-hmm. lung... What's the kid... What's up with the kid with the lung thing? <laughs> he probably stayed away on purpose. Like, I don't want to get involved with... That, that's totally his personality. I don't want to deal with that. Yeah. <laughs> There's too much politics for me. He does make a comment about that. And, uh, like, because cause Sinclair... Him and Sinclair are having their discussion about it, and Sinclair, his whole thing is like, yeah, we can't, you know, we're, you know, we're supposed to be following orders and this and that. And we don't know, you know, how do we know what's right and wrong? If I overstep my power, what kind of, what would that look like? And on the one hand, it's like, okay, I understand Sinclair. It's actually cool to see someone in command that's like really struggling with this. But Mm -hmm. at the same time, I, I found it very interesting that this was a this was the time for him to you know uh back down to stick to his because his life wasn't in jeopardy no okay, i get it i get it <laughs> this was a paper pushing jeopardy not a there was no gun job. to his head so he don't didn't have care to make if any i hard. die but i gotta keep my job oh uh, man no gun no gun no gun to my head i don't know what to do man so so and then the episode just ends that's it kid dies Franklin is sweating. He's so horrified. Yeah. <laughs> I'm surprised there wasn't like a haze and some smoke in the same room with him, right? You know, that would be funny. Anyway, um, and so then, you know, the episode ends and we're kind of like left with this whole reality of no one did the right thing the entire episode. Right. But it was a great episode. I really did enjoy it. Everybody in this episode made horrible decisions. Well, except for Garibaldi, who just stayed out. Garibaldi, for some reason, knew to keep his face, keep his, keep his nose out of it. He, he's he's like, look, I got some he, people in the brown sector person. that I need to harass. Oh man. So overall, uh, what are you? What are? How would you rate? Or you know, what are your? What are your final thoughts on this episode? I don't think the thoughts will ever end. Um, it's just yeah, so connected to so much. Yeah. And 200 years from now, we'll still be making excuses to treat lesser beings like trash. They're mm-hmm. not lesser beings. They are just the species that never showed up ever again. They're so important. <laughs> they were like, we're not doing, a, we're not doing doctor, an episode okay. with them. But it's kind of like they treated us like we were less. Well, I'm exactly. not not. I'm saying it like I'm in there, but um, <laughs> yeah. But but you're not. So we're the same as animals because we weren't born of the egg. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. Everybody yeah. thinks they better than everybody else. Religious. Of, there it my is. My religion is better. Religious yeah. chauvinism, secularist <laughs> chauvinism. Um, <laughs> Doctor Franklin's overall ego, because honestly, like, yeah, he was he was feeling himself. Mm-hmm. He's like, I knew I was right, and it's like, nah, bro, you was. 
You weren't right. <laughs> and, and and then I guess because he had to wrestle with watch the kid die or save the kid. But he didn't know that the parents were going to kill him anyway. Like no matter what he he was in a catch 22, no matter what he did, that kid was dying. Yeah. I mean, like you kind of already knew that the they they said that he would not have a soul. So you need to see what they think of someone who don't have a soul. Yeah. Yeah. And like what kind of consequences that's going to have for the entire family. Kind of like the what is it on Orville when they did the sex change on the Oh, that boy. was Orville. The uh, yeah. Right. And yeah. like the whole planet was going to treat this whole family real crazy. Like, is it really worth putting the child through saving them if their entire species, like everybody is going to like treat them like the demon spawn? Is that really doing him a favor? Right. It's like maybe death would be better than being tortured for the rest of your life. Well, um, I'm going to speak for the folks who are going to comment on this is like being alive is better than being dead. But mm-hmm. I think Sunday is bringing up a very good point as far as like, well, what's the quality of that life? And that's what this whole thing is about, right? We're asking the questions. And I think, again, this is good sci-fi that is making us wrestle for with sure. these questions. Like, are you, for sure. you know, life is being, being alive is better than being dead. But if your life is going to be, you know, riddled with misery because the, your social, structure and social relations are that hey you're a demon spawn and you need to be punished through mm-hmm. no fault of your own you know what mm-hmm. good is that life um i think you know start. how i roll if i ain't gonna be like i am right now do not resuscitate okay <laughs> <laughs> i don't remember which star trek it was or maybe it was on both maybe it was like a callback to the original but I, I remember either McCoy or um, Beverly saying the same thing. I don't know how I could ever get them mixed up. So it must have been a recall. Um, them stating, what's the what's the point in surviving if you can't live? Ooh. Good note to end on right there, Mel. You got yes. it. <laughs> well, thank y'all for joining us for another episode of Voices in Hyperspace. This is Legendary Black Lion. And my last wishes is to have me installed into a cybernetic body. <laughs> uh, I'm Mel Asylum, and I would be uh, uh, either used as fertilizer for a tree or mushrooms. I mean, yeah, you can do that to the body. Just put my brain. On. <laughs> and I want to be reconstituted into a fruit tree or in a dog park. Nice. <laughs> All right. Yes. Oh my goodness. Well, thank y'all for joining us. And if you got this far in the episode, share with us what your last wishes be. And that is the strangest way to sign off on here. But we're doing it anyway. See you next time. (laughs) Bye.